Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. Two. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 975-1280 the zone and the zone sports network. There is no timeline. Uh Sooner rather than later is still is still uh, obviously optimal, but uh, it's close. It's so close right now. I can tell you, no, no decision will be made prior to next week's scrimmage, and then hopefully shortly thereafter it'll be made. But well, don't hold me to that because if, you know we're going to take as much time as we need. Gordon, the youth scrimmaged over the weekend. I went up there for media availability, which uh, it was the first media availability in the new uh, media room, which is in the. The renovated part of the stadium. Uh, I got to say, well, nice, from so. what I, I saw of it, it looked pretty nice. Um, you know, they like we talked about last week, they, they invested a lot of uh, careful thought and time and energy into it. I would expect that they did it right. And from what I could see, pretty nice. So yeah. pretty cool stuff. Um, the theme, Gordon, and I, I want to ask you about this. Uh, the theme around the availability was on Saturday that the offense outdid the defense. Coach Witt said that. The offense outdid the defense. And, of course, Coach talked about the quarterback battle, which remains the biggest story. I don't know how big of a story maybe it is. You know, they're certainly not going to tell us when they have made a decision, so that's kind of funny. But um, That's actually good news for Utah football. What? That the offense outdid the defense. See, I did, okay, so that's what I was going to ask yeah. you. This, this is You hear this after every scrimmage and every camp, spring and fall for that matter. Oh, the defense won. The offense won. The defense won. Do you believe it? Because I, I don't. Well, not having seen the scrimmage, it's hard to tell. But um, you think they're just trying to prop up the uh, the offense because the defense is going to be good. Well, I bet you money the next scrimmage next week, well, the defense rebounded this week. Boy, the defense was sure good. I, I think it's... I think it's about the message that he wants to put out there. I mean, let me uh, reading totally reading between the lines. Mm-hmm. All right, because they we we talked to Mika Tafua and we talked to Devin Lloyd too. But but I noticed it with Mika. Somebody asked him, said, "Oh, the coach Witt said the offense won the day." And Mika Tafua was kind of like, "He said that, did he? Uh, okay, well, yeah, I guess we got to get better. You know, kind of like he he said the right thing and he answered and he said, you know, we got to work and exactly what you'd expect to hear. But I, I felt like his body language kind of like, well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but what <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I don't know if it's he's trying to motivate the offense, trying to hide the offense. You know, maybe he's trying to motivate the defense. Maybe by saying, oh, the defense came up short, he's trying to kick a few butts in that area. I just don't know if I buy the – because it's always the narrative that comes out of the camp. Like, oh, the offense won, the defense won. It always seems to go back and forth. Well, uh, you know, we've gotten to the point now where, you know, anybody who is has has a has a, a mind of their own, anytime you hear a coach say anything, you have to sort of wonder if it's true. Is that really true? Uh, yeah. I mean And and Britton Covey goes out of his way. We talked to him too. He goes out of his way to talk about both quarterbacks, you know, to to further the kind of narrative. And maybe that maybe it is. Who knows? Wait till you but, hear what Andy Ludwig said today. Yeah, right. But I don't think that he added three more quarterbacks to it. <laughs> I don't think. I I don't think that they're saying those things to have a well, more well-informed fan base. Let me put it that way. Well, I I will say this, Jake. I've talked with enough coaches uh, off the record for to to have heard from them many, many, many times. This is the message I want to send to my team. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yep. That's going on all the time. Uh, many times coaches, you're right, are not talking to the fan base. They're not talking to anyone in particular other than sending certain thoughts to their players. So that does happen quite a bit. And and maybe this isn't the case in this circumstance. I want to speak more broadly because I don't really know. But they could also be sending the message on the quarterback thing to Cam Rising saying, don't transfer. Please don't <laughs> transfer. Because they did that a couple of years ago. Remember when they had, what was his last name? Brandon was his first name. Yeah. Brandon Cox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, and they mm-hmm. kept him in the conversation, kept him in the conversation until kind of a week before the game and was then eliminated t- that, him, and was, he still transferred anyway. Was that Tyler Huntley and uh, Troy Williams? I think so. Yeah, that sounds right. Brandon. So, I mean, part of it, too, is for their own benefit because they want the other quarterbacks to think they have a shot because they don't want them to leave because in all likelihood they're going to, they're gonna, you know, how many starting quarterbacks make it through the whole season anymore? I, people throw out loose percentages all the time, but it certainly ain't 100. Right. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So there's a and likelihood he, that they're going to need him, so they don't want him to leave. And even teammates get on uh, The players say that stuff. We heard it today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kincaid with uh, Hanson Scotty. Uh, they asked him, who's, who's looking good at quarterback or something like that? And he said, oh, man, it's so hard to tell. Well, think about it from his perspective. You don't want to be like, oh, <laughs> this guy, and then, and then have the him not get a job. <laughs> yeah, and be like, well, guess who I'm not throwing it to. <laughs> That's true. See, everyone has an ulterior motive. Man. Well, everybody's got an agenda, yep. You're you're totally right about that. Everybody's got an agenda, and, and it's kind of the funny thing about what you put out there in the public as opposed to reality because it's going to be self-interested so where where are the what's the percentage that uh, Kyle Whittingham and Andy Ludwig and all the guys really are trying to figure out who their starter is versus game plan, trying to retain somebody? Because if they announce so and so is the starter now, you're right, someone could leave, but they want to hang on to them. So do you think they really are uncertain? Last year, you thought that the whole thing was sort of a dog and pony show. Well, I thought they promised Bentley, which I still don't think I was necessarily wrong, but he turned out really to not be terrific. So this year, uh, do you think they are really studying these guys still, or do they know? I I think, once again, Charlie Brewer didn't come here to <laughs> be a backup. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Well, what's so ironic about that is that Cam Rising was named the starter last year. Well, because Jake Bentley turned out to be terrible. Is that the case with Brewer, do you think? I don't know. I I I mean, he has more of a track record than Bentley did. He does? So, I I don't know. I I thought that that Rising winning the job had more to do with Bentley than it did with Rising. But, you know, I could be wrong about that, certainly. So, I'm not quite sure what to to make of uh, Kyle Whittingham saying, well, we won't make a decision until after the, the next scrimmage. And don't hold me to that. So, yeah, but these are uh, these artificial timelines that these coaches create, right? I, I, what's the use in that? Because you you don't if you if you set a finish line, then you have to make a pronouncement, right? Yeah, but there is no timeline. If time you just line. keep kicking it down the road, yeah, then you don't have to make a decision really until the 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 final snap. So why did he say we won't make a decision until after the next scrimmage? Why did he say that at all? Why didn't he just kick it all the way down the road? 
We'll see. Yeah. I There is at least a possibility. I'm not going to say this is going to happen for sure. But they'll go, wow, it's just even closer than we thought. We wanted <laughs> to make a decision. But, uh, you know, now. Who was the – was it Cardell Jones? Who was the Ohio State quarterback that legit did not know that he was not going to start yeah, until yeah, yeah. The, the snap of the ball? It, Cardell Jones was one of them. I think he – I think he got the job, and the other dude didn't. And I remember how humiliating it was for the other dude because they had the camera in his face on the sideline the whole game. <laughs> Not good. Not good. JT Barrett. JT Barrett. Yep. Huh. Let's go to the sideline and see how JT Barrett's reacting <laughs> to the news. Oh, not well. His whole world just crumbled moments ago, and let's just go ahead and stick him on national television, shall we? This is a really interesting discussion about the psyche of a quarterback because we saw that with all the rookie NFL quarterbacks uh, and the whole whole, uh, examination of that over the weekend, and we'll get more into that. But uh, how, how does a coach best handle a quarterback? You know, because he, he's got the one guy that he thinks uh, has the edge, but he has the other guy who he doesn't want to see transfer because he knows he's probably going to need both of those guys in order to have a successful season. So he wants to keep them both engaged uh, and and working hard. Uh, and, and, and it just seems like that is more the case with quarterbacks than any other position. I know there are position battles all over the field and all that stuff, but quarterbacks in particular— it seems like are kept uh, sort of trying to imagine what the coach is really thinking, and it's it's part of the psychological game at that position, and and we saw that over the weekend. You know, we saw certain quarterbacks like Zach Wilson; he got a little taste of NFL action, and then other quarterbacks like Justin Fields played longer and was able to be more productive, and the playbook was opened up for him. And then you have even guys like. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, who was used sparingly, you know, and and coaches just sort of giving them milk before they give them meat. It's, I, I think that's really interesting. Well, I think part of the part of the deal is is that only one can play, mm-hmm. and that one can play the position differently, very differently. Right, has strengths and attributes and those sorts of things, and it's the most high profile position on the field. I think that's why why so much is made of it. But you bring up Trevor Lawrence. Over under on Urban Meyer's nervous breakdown because they're <laughs> going to lose. Him? They're going to lose a lot. Did you see him on the sideline? <laughs> they're going to lose it, a he, lot. It was the first preseason game, and he looked distressed because there's not a lot of talent. That's a rebuild there in Jacksonville. That's going to be yeah. But Tim Tebow looked awesome. Tough sledding. Tim can't block. Who knew? <laughs> Did you see that one play when he tried to block that guy? I mean, he I would run around. I would have guessed that a, that a quarterback could go out there and block. <laughs> I mean, that's part of the ridiculousness of all this. Plus, isn't he like 39 by now? It's like this is such a – didn't we define gimmick last week? Didn't we dive into that def- definition? Doesn't this feel a little gimmicky? Well, Urban does owe it to him. But, uh, owe him a chance to humiliate himself oh. or what? <laughs> oh, my shot because Tim did a lot of nice things for Urban. Like he hiding let, murders and things. Is he letting his mom try out for the team? I mean, <laughs> is that what the the NFL is all about? But yeah, he's going to lose I, a lot of football games, I, and I we both that, know how yeah. much Urban Meyer how poorly he handles losing, I and he's going to lose a exactly lot. Exactly. As I was sit, sitting there watching that game, and I thought, "Ooh, Urban." Uh, you know what I thought of? The first thought that came to my mind was what you always say. 
it'll be interesting to see how good a coach Urban is when he doesn't have the best players on his side. Just automatically in every game. Yeah. Because it's strange that those great players make coaches look really good. <laughs> I mention this all the time, but it absolutely goes back to the Simpsons legendary baseball episode where Mr. Burns points at Daryl Strawberry and says, You, Strawberry, hit a home run. And then Strawberry hits a home run, and then Monty Burns says, I told him to do that. <laughs> I just I look at Urban. Okay, this is a preseason game, and he looks like he's losing, you know, a yeah. bowl game or something. People forget that when he came to Utah, that Mac had one heck of a team already put yeah, together. He did. And and maybe, you know, they didn't get the most out of that talent, or we could go down that rabbit hole or whatever, why things didn't go well at the end of, of Mac's tenure. But the point remains that he had recruited a lot of really good football players, and Urban came in and, you know, pushed the right buttons, and the the rest is history. But let's not pretend like he inherited a, a program that was void of talent or really anywhere close. I'll say this about Urban. I think he is uh, an extremely gifted organizer, you know. And so when he has a superior talent, he can do a lot with it. But that's, he's we're not going to have that in yeah, Jacksonville. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the key point. And how will he handle Trevor Lawrence? Because, you know, there's going to need to be some patience there and some coddling. Don't coddle. What are you talking about? You know, it's, you're, you're the one that was saying the You language. were the one that was saying the Jets were going to ruin Zach Wilson. I think they might. I hope not. Well, they were they treated him with uh, tender care. So on, now one on preseason game, and you're throwing that out there. Well, I mean, so far they've just again milk before meat. That's really what's happening. Stay tuned. We'll have more big show coming up next. Sean O'Connell, our guy OC, is going to join us, Gordon. And uh, any day is a good day to have Sean on. But uh, there's some news coming out of, uh, I guess, the Utah football family. John Pease passed away today. Sean. Uh, uh, hosted a radio show with John for a while and uh, was close to him. And I know Sean's been tweeting out about it today. So uh, we'll we'll talk to Sean about that. But uh, you and I both know John or knew John a little bit. And, man, was he a kind of a – he was just – he was a special guy, had this energy, had this vibe about him that was that was awesome. He was just incredible to be around. I describe him as a classic football man. That's what, that's what I think of when I think of John Pease. And he had such an influence on football at the University of Utah. Uh, I, I I did a feature column on him about six years ago, and he was so fun to talk to and so full of energy. And I, I'll, I'll read you some of the quotes that he gave me at that time because, I mean, it was really, really good stuff. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry. It's, it's sad to say goodbye to someone, but, man— Good memories about John Pease for sure. What would you? What comes to mind when you? Well, think I of was him? just to add to the the conversation. I mean, several things about his person came to mind, but it turned out to be a stroke of brilliance um, for Utah to have him be the defensive coordinator for a year. I still yeah. think that there are lasting impacts um, because of that decision. And Gordon, you know, you'll remember back when uh, Kalani left to go to Oregon State, and mm-hmm. that was. You know, that's a big job. That's a that's a stepping stone job. You know, it's important to be Kyle Whittingham's uh, defensive coordinator. They they usually turn out uh, pretty good. And uh, we wondered was Morgan Scally ready? You know, what uh, what direction they would go? And ended up bringing in uh, John Peace to you know 
mentor and leave an impactor on the on the program. And Gordon, I can't remember how long how old John was at the time, but he's certainly well into his retirement. And he came back and remember four and a score, and uh, remember that aggressive defense and uh, just. Um, yeah, I mean, I that turned out to be a really brilliant move on Coach Witt's mind. That I think that's a decision that uh, is still paying off. Um, next time we have Christian Cox on the air, we'll talk about that because uh, uh, Christian will tell you all about Coach Peace and uh, and the impact that uh, he left on him and the program. Okay, so let me read you some quotes from from John Pease, and I think it honors the man to uh, to repeat some of his words. First of all, some words that were spoken about him by by his wife. Chris, uh, who said of him, quote, living with John when he doesn't have enough to do is like being in a phone booth with a full-grown golden retriever. He had that kind of energy, just constantly wanting to get into stuff and get going with stuff. Uh, This is what he said about the game he coached for half a century. He said, quote, football is the greatest team game in the world because the object is to hit someone on every down. There's no other team game where the object is to hit the one in front of you. I enjoy it. Football players are always moving towards something. They're they're not passive. They're not afraid. They're emotional. It's an emotional game and emotional kids play it. I love that. If you want to find out what somebody's really about go 10 days of of two a days in the heat getting all bruised and bloodied up you're going to discover the guys you want to be with in a street fight it's just and he, i remember him talking about how much he loved jim mcmahon uh, obviously played at byu and 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 he said and the whole group they had at byu the year they won the holiday bowl against smu they're down, and he comes off the field and says, you want to win this game? Let me throw the ball. And Lavelle says, okay. That kind of fight, that kind of camaraderie wins football games. I hope that's what we have here. And he was talking about that 2015 year with the Utes. So just the kind of guy that if you imagined, if, if it went to, uh, to central casting for a football coach, he's your guy. Felt like that a little bit, didn't it? Oh, and he he coached in the NFL for a while, Forever. and he's all over the Speaking college of the Jacks, game. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, pay tribute to John Pease in, in his passing. What a what a terrific football man. Yep. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk to Sean about that and uh, a lot of other stuff. A lot of youth stuff, of course, on the table. Sean O'Connell, our good friend OC, is going to jump on with us coming up right around the corner. So stay tuned for that. That's the split story of the day, brought to you by our friends at Sound Sleep Medical. Do you snore at night, or are you currently using a CPAP machine to treat sleep apnea? Sound Sleep Medical can improve your life. Visit SoundSleepMedical.com. More next on the Big Show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the Zone.